what I've seen is like a lot of these um, online like Zoom meetings and stuff now that everyone's having in like a workplace setting, right? Because I think it's now very different the way humans are communicating, for example, when basically what I see it come down to is like you've kind of got maybe one or two people talking, right? And then the rest of the people just sort of mute their mics and maybe even turn their cameras off. And it's like something that's never happened before in human communication where it's just like, it's to the equivalent of, right? If you were to try to like recreate this in the physical world, I'd imagine it would be something like, there's going to be a meeting room and these people talking and then the rest of the people, you go in a room where it's got like one of those one-way mirrors, like <laughs> where the other people can't see on the other side. And then the other people go in that, but they're also separated in that, if that makes sense. It reminds me of when so, I was 18 and I went to a strip club, the, the boys took me for my birthday into, you know, and there's like a girl in the middle and she's like masturbating. Um, and yeah. she can't see you, but you can see her. Is it, is it like that? Yeah, that's the example. Yes. <laughs> it's the one time I've experienced that. I haven't been to yeah. jail, so I haven't experienced it in like a police setting. You know, yeah, no. <laughs> when someone's being interrogated. That definitely sounds more interesting than what the point I was making about freaking offices and fucking meetings and houses. <laughs> yeah naturally the conversation just got hijacked yeah well but i'm all for it you know what i mean like i can't beat strip club so the point (laughs) the point you're making i think is like again you call it sci-fi world i like that um and and then i think that science fiction writers quote that the future's already here um it just hasn't been like disseminated equally yet is um is a good quote and then the exciting thing about discussing this on a theoretical level, like you and I have the pleasure of sitting here and doing, it's kind of what we do for a living in this setting, in this discussion, is that you can extrapolate and hypothesize about which way it can go. Because it can go both ways. And then, you know, you can use the two extremes of utopia and dystopia as, um, you know, left and right, whatever you want to call it, the opposites of how technology in this sci-fi world can be, spread and the kind of impact it can have on people it can make um there was like the venus project did you ever hear about that a guy designed like this utopic society that he felt that we could step into like we could integrate into this society pretty much straight away this guy i think he's a french guy he, he did it in like the 2000s and um nine eighty 80 to 5 to 90 percent of jobs would be um done by like computer so um or ai whatever you want to call it and um, so only about 10% of the entire population would need to work. And um, there's trains that were designed that could be built, which could take you, you know, like Tokyo to LA and like hours sort of thing. Like it was, a, and it was a fully interconnected web grid that we were living in as a, as a planet. Um, like I say, most people don't have to work. Um, and, and he felt that we could step into this like sharpish kind of thing. Like not that like, oh, we need to take hundreds of years to implement it and develop it. It's like, no, we could like, step into this world so this is kind of like we we don't often talk about the utopic side of a technological world do we we don't often that our imaginations run wild i think we often get caught up in the dystopic um sides of things but at the same time there are a lot of people doing a lot of interesting things in um technology like some of our favorite subjects like crypto um, among other things um are very intriguing Uh, but then you know even though we've been drawing up these um, ideas and manifesting them to some degree into the collective, we still don't know the ramifications of what this, um, the advent of these technologies is going to have on human society. So it's like a day by day by day by day. But what it feels like you and I discuss is that it's somewhat inevitable that these technologies are going to evolve and, um, and that they're going to be more integrated into human life. But saying that, man, the reason why you haven't heard from me much this week is because I've actually stepped away from social media as of Monday. Yeah. Monday nights is what Thursday morning. I haven't been on social media at all and it's been pretty magnificent. I have to tell you, and it's affected my life in terms of, um, you know, I've done a lot of drugs in my life, but I think the most addictive drug is social media. Um, because of the way it plays with your dopamine receptors in terms of like, you're always checking to see if anything's updated and cause it's so easy to just look, turn your screen on. But 
it may not seem like a big deal, but when you're doing it like 20, 30, 40, 50 times a day, you do it basically in every lull, every moment where there's a lull in your life. And when you build that habit and it gets stronger and stronger, you, you keep checking, you keep checking and you don't let yourself experience the lulls. And I think what that can do to your life is you can um, become kind of like a quasi robot in a way, because I think in those lulls, you often experience emotions um, and you often experience low points as well. And I think we need to appreciate the importance of experiencing our low points as human beings, because if we're always running away from our low points to get a dopamine fix, we're basically the low points don't necessarily go away. They're still there, but we just keep burying it and burying it and burying it. And then I think these, um, I remember a few episodes ago, you were talking about how um, there's this anxiety, this level of anxiety in the collective and, and we're not looking at it. We're not facing it. We don't know what it is. We don't know what it is because we keep checking social media and we keep, you know, staying switched on all the time and not switched off. Um, so I've had the chance in the last few days to like quiet everything down and like get in touch with myself again, like my own technology, my inner technology. And when you get in touch with your inner technology, you can start to like set forward plans and motions for manifestation to improve your life. Do you, do you register that? Yeah, I, I'm, I register it. Um, but you know, I don't think people, if you want to like, you can't really write it down in some documentation, how to work this system. Can you, this system meaning, um, you're talking about the, the internal the, system or the global system? Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about the internal system. What, like basically what I understand what you're trying to say, this is my interpretation of it is that you're basically saying people are now hiding behind basically computers and communicating through them in this like emotional state where there's no like, not, there's no like emotions being ex exchanged. It's just very cold and lonely. And I think that's kind of like the point you were building off of my story where now people are like completely separated and completely lonely. And um, there's no intimacy within the like emotional intimacy. I don't know what, how to describe it. I don't know what to call that. Um, with and it's, just, it's, Hey, with the self, which is the most important person, because if you have intimacy, with yeah, yourself, yeah, yeah. You, intimacy you can't with do it with yourself. You can't fucking do it with someone else. Can you? And, exactly. um, everyone's just like completely separated and everyone's just, that's what I was saying. Like, um, hidden off as individuals, they're sort of hidden away. They think they're a group. This is what I'm saying, but you're sort of separated in your little box with your one way mirror. And then everyone at one stage is looking into a group of like collective people who they think, oh, they're the in-group. I want to be, I got to be in with them. And we're all G. But what's happening on the lowest level to the highest level, they're all just being extract. I, I, I view it as an extraction of energy. Like, because the people, they could be sharing it with each other and building things. And that's what they yearn for. But they have to be individuals first to be able to do that. And they're attracted to this because it's like, I don't know, like out of fear, I guess. Because they feel like, I guess at the end of the day, they're afraid to face themselves. So another so, big question then, where, where is this energy going if it's being extracted? Because I think that's a good, that's a good. I think, and this is probably going to sound crazy. I think the current beings who are in control uh are extracting it and they've been doing it for uh, maybe over hundreds of years and right now they're very scared and um they're losing control because all this like you were saying all this technology and stuff it gives us so many like options and opportunities to try different things and explore ourselves internally in so many different ways and like the way that you could just see the fear in these like control systems, like they're just like, to me, they're, they're, they're just breaking down. Um, a lot of it is based off the academia system. That's like the main way that like, I don't know, you could call it like an indoctrination process because most people are encouraged even from like their earliest years especially when people are entering like their early adolescence that this place is like that's like if you can get there and get through that you're like you're gonna make it and obviously 
a lot of people in our generation now who are like in their late 20s entering their 30s they're just basically seeing that like if we're going to be um frank about it it's a worthless piece of paper um the degree and a lot of people yeah. yeah like and you know there's a lot of information all it does right is it just for most people it just like it streamlines it, 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 yeah and it, and it makes you think that this is so this is what you this is like the information that you it sort of like sets the boundaries for you for what mm. you need to know if that makes mm. sense and then people will stay in that and they're like well i don't need to know anything else they that's what they told me and it goes back to it goes back to what I was saying before about, you know, fitting in with the group and all that. And like, so it's like, it's a hive mind in a way you could even say, right. And um, yeah, now there's a lot of information for a lot of things that's coming out and um, it's challenging those, whatever you want to call them, established views. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that's like, that's like, that's where, that's where the place where it sort of starts, right? For a lot of people. Um, or like, it's key. It's central. Because, um, mm -hmm. yeah, that's the, that's what a lot of it um, is, is stemmed from. Like the education system. And I think now that's like, the fact that now that it's clear that that is like, it's not coming back. Like, um, yeah. I, know, I know in Australia, a big part of like the Australian... I don't even know what you call it, but one of the big exports outside of mining is um, university. Yeah, number four. Yeah, because number four people, especially, yeah, especially people from um, Asia, like from China and stuff, a lot of them, it's viewed prestigious to come to Australia and get like a, a degree from one of these Australian institutions. Yeah, but then there's also, see, that's the funny thing. There's a connection there because... Um, I don't, I don't know, like, don't quote me on this, but then a lot of, like, basically a lot of Chinese money flowing into Australian yep. universities. What's, what's China famous for? The Chinese Communist Party. So, obviously, a certain... When the people that are handing you your money, um, you know, they'll, they'll sort of... They have a power to sort of dictate how you do oh, business. Oh, yeah. And, and, and the iron ideology. ore as well. The number one export for Australia. <laughs> Where's that coming the from? Ideology, Who's paying for the that? ideology... The ideology is socialism, communism, collectivism, whatever you want to call it. Like, and it's basically this idea where like, if you want to be an individual in any, any, any one of these scenarios, you're basically going to get ridiculed in one way or another. And, but if you're strong enough to, to be, to be yourself, mm. people, people eventually after they've, after they've ridiculed you, they're going to admire you. That's be the step, doesn't it? You always have to seem to cop it before you get accepted. If you if you transcend the current paradigm in some way, that's what usually has to happen. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I don't even know how to describe it, but that's definitely like sort of like the case in Australia. And hey, I'm not having to dig at Australian culture here. I, I believe it happens in any place where the virus of collectivism takes over. That's what I'm saying. The German people aren't bad, um, I'm sure, but you know this virus, even sort of of this collectivist hive mind thinking, took over, and some horrible things happened. Um, and I think, it, yeah, it it just happens. And but the the thing I want to come back to is like, yeah, you were kind of saying is like now we have like to bring it full circle is you were talking about like this technology that we have that's really cool and stuff. And basically what that does, right, is it enables us to be individuals. Um, if we want, we can disconnect basically of being like part of whatever this current Australian identity is. We've even criticised that um, before, um, basically calling it a paint job. And it's um, it, in some ways you could go even deeper and say, well, it's unfair to people who like, you know, went to war to fight for Australia and stuff, you know, that'd probably be like, that, that, I don't think some of them, like if, if we told them, Hey, you know, like what some of the stuff that's going on, like, um, but like, that's another story. And I think like um, the, the thing is what I come back to is like, um, the power we have to act as individuals if we do use the the technology that we have available to us to basically eject ourselves right 
and just to be like, okay, I can, I can think for myself and um, I can connect with people around the world who are like-minded and we can start our own thing here. And um, I've, I'm seeing a lot of people doing a lot of cool stuff and it's, it's exciting. Yeah. And I have no doubt that we can do that without the aid of technology. I have no doubt. However, technology can, from one perspective, be able to smoothen that process, to facilitate that process of people to connect, especially globally. Because um, until we remember how to communicate telepathically, um, having that leg up of technology means I can speak to someone in Rwanda, like right now, uh, rather than having to fly to the capital, which is going to be an arduous and expensive journey from Australia. Um, no, you- you don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. We can all like, that's the thing. That, that's what comes back to what I was saying like before about how like all these, um, all these things that are going on is like the thing that separates us is fear. Right. But now we have the possibility. It's like, it doesn't matter where the, where the hell you're from. If you speak the same language as me and we can um, engage in a conversation that's going to, I don't know, benefit both of us in whatever ideas we're interested in, in exchanging information about, like the possible, that's never been really like um, possible before in, um, in, um, in, in recent history, like it actually has been possible in the past, like what, 20 years. But um, I think now with all this, like, change in like i don't know workplace culture and stuff basically like the officers dead in 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 like australia and i think probably like most of most of like most of the rest of the world i think the new organizations that are going to flourish are the ones that can figure out a way i know it's i know like physical location is important when like people are making things but i think definitely like um the ones that embrace a way to work um, in a way where they can um, be more remote and, and remain productive uh, are going to flourish. Yeah, it feels like we're on the cusp of something new. And, and again, it can go two ways, but it almost feels like there's this independent movement of um, like a libertarian movement in, in a sense. And, um, you know, when I think back, it probably, you know, predates WikiLeaks, but WikiLeaks probably is one of the most, one of the forefathers of this movement through the unison of technology. And then you can go into anonymous and you can go into, it's basically a free information act in a way. And WikiLeaks, right? It's been around for like fucking years, huh? since, since the start yeah. of the century. 2008. Yeah. Right. The first one was what that came out was like um, oh five oh six. That yeah. video, I forgot. That's the first thing. They collateral, had. collateral murder, I think it's called, or collateral. Yeah, yeah. And if you think about it, this is the type of organisations I'm talking about. WikiLeaks has not ever had. They don't have like a physical office, right? They just have their website, and they probably have a bunch of people who are like spread around their around the world and work. Um, and hey, they are like. There's no, there's no, like, as far as I know, they have a perfect track record. And the amount of, like, uh, leaks as, like, a publication, they, they trump every other publication in, like, all of, all of history combined. Like, in all of known history combined, all the, like, leaks that have happened, WikiLeaks has done more. Yeah, right. That's, um, that makes sense. That's exactly the type of like organization I'm talking about. Like the people that take that approach, I think are going to be a lot more successful in they, um, in their endeavor because they're being resourceful. Right. Sure. I guess I'm questioning like, cause I, some people, you more so than me in this case are born with, um, like a natural gift with technology, like, um, the adaptation process to use it is has been smoother for you than it is for me but i think you're in the you you just from knowing you for 15 years you're probably in the one percent i would say i don't think that's unfair to say based on what i know about you you're in the probably one percent i'm probably in the 20 percent maybe 10 but 
Yeah. And what I, all I'm, all I'm um, grading here is just like the ability to understand the applications to go beyond using technology and understand the applications of it. And that's probably where I start to, it's not that I can't because some people, this is very interesting. Like we can all do anything we want, but there are certain things that when you try to do it, it just like, it feels like so laborious and so tough, but it's not because the activity is tough. It's your level of interest is elsewhere. So when you try to learn about code, in my case, I just kind of go, Oh, like I could, but fuck, like it's just so much effort. Like, but it's not because I can't do it. If, if I had a reason to want to, I think what you're describing is about learning anything. Anything is easy. If it's kind of like fun, that's probably the best way I can describe it. If you're enjoying learning it, you can enjoy anything. And that's kind of what I was sort of going on about is um, the way we're brought up is that learning is this thing that, that is done through, it's like laborious, like, it's like labor, you know? And um, that's the equivalent, right? Because the whole idea is it's preparing you for labor, right? And labor is something that's very like mechanical, right? But um, what I think like, Actually, this and this is why I think um, these institutions are toppling right now, um, because um, I see learning as a thing that is like natural to us. And as children, if you look at children who are, go before they go to school, how do they learn? Through the state of play, right? So yeah. what you're describing is if you if you're doing something and you're in a state of play, um, and that's a state where I think if you look at young kids, that's a state of creativity. If you look at how they're behaving and um, that, that is what uh, the, um, that's like very powerful in a sense. If, if like the learning that can be done through that um, is like way, it, it can go exponentially way more than it does through this sort of like laborious one that I'm sort of talking about. That Brother, is you are so, so right. And the reason why I think school jeopardizes so many of our children's intelligence, this squanders it is because you have to basically accommodate for everyone and you have to kind of streamline it, it, education it, it, to certain things. To like, uh, that's what I'm talking about to this like collectivism thing that I'm, that I'm talking about. Right. Because it's always you about fitting in and that that's what I'm telling you that follows you throughout your whole life throughout university, especially that's where it really gets beaten into you. And then in the workplace, that's when the, that's when the chains are placed. But you're being you. groomed from four or five years old. You're being groomed and streamlined into these few subjects that, you know, to make you a good engineer or make you a good, whatever you're needed for. I know I'm sounding a bit um, extremist here in terms of like, um, cause you can see it from a different point of view if you want to, but it, it does feel like that. It does feel like we're automatically getting streamlined into these subjects. And um, there isn't that room, like school could work theoretically if there was room to let the child's interest blossom, but you'd have to it would require so much um, parenting from the teachers in terms of like so much space. I read an idea once that um, a child needs one full-time guardian per child at all times because of the amount of energy. They're like a spring and they just got so much energy until they crash and they fall asleep. Um, and so like any question, any, anything they need like help or facilitation with, you know, they have a person there because you often would the, the, and then what like the school system does, it's a form of isolation from a young age. And like, then that, that takes us on a different tangent. If we talk about how our society like drug abuses children, which these children who are like, actually perfectly normal and just like, it's the teacher who is not interesting enough. And in reality, it's not possible to be interesting enough for 30 kids when they're at a young age. Most yeah. kids are so different and in their own world that, like you were saying, they need, like, the, the attention. Maybe at max you can have one adult to, like, six or seven children. But even and that, yeah. And that's something that's more natural in the sense that, yeah, people, like, 100 years ago, whatever, 200 years ago, a woman might have like five or six children like in her lifetime, but usually by the time she gets to the sixth one, one of them's like old enough to sort of take care, yeah. take care of like the other bunch, right? So what we are in is something totally artificial, right? And like, um, it's 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 not healthy, right? It's to the point where we actively um, 
hurting children. So the, the saddest thing is, is if you think about this, and I think you could probably think of some people in your life that you grew up with in your schooling life, um, is the story of like the kid who is like, like that when they're young, overly active, right? And um, the teacher like, the, the ends up teacher, the teachers, the teachers in this case, they're the assholes because they're the ones who, they can't, they can't stimulate the child, like engage them. It's just like, well, that's your fault. If there's like a six, seven year old child and they're not excited about things, I'm sorry. That's like, you need to like, the, most kids are like, um, to kill like, someone's excitement at that age. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like um, you know. if they're passionate and like energetic and they want to do stuff and they're just bored, like that's like, you're like, you're falling short. There. But then this like, is the thing, Nick, this is the thing, this um, is the thing that that teacher was a kid and she I got streamlined and he got streamlined through the same process and then he and, and he just wanted to be close to kids or she just wanted to be close to kids and wanted to help kids but they're in like a system that is already severely handicapped and um and the child yeah like a lot of children would lose interest in school at an early age like you're you're getting me as well so that type of child right usually they'll be called disruptive or whatever and might end up going to see i don't know psychiatrist or doctor or whoever describes these pills right and then yeah. they start taking those pills that like knocks you out on the inside like i'm not an expert on what the <sighs> no we just see it okay. and then this and then they'll change their attitude so they will come like karma but maybe internally happens when they start saying oh i'm not so smart i'm not as this and then a lot of people they'll carry this throughout their adulthood right so it's almost like it's like I view this in a way as child abuse because it's almost like it's like a child's like a plant, right? And it's almost like we stunt the plant before it even gets a chance to be an adult. Like yeah, I believe up. everyone should be allowed a chance to like come into the world as an adult and allowed to fuck up on their own. So mistake. Nick, my theory is we're going to see based on this discussion, we're having a rise in homeschooling within our generation, i.e. when, the likes of yourself and myself we're, we're yeah, both 27 happening. Look at what's happening with most of the world most of the world is in like a homeschool situation right now right like semi and, but yeah. i don't mean doing fucking the pre-approved lessons on the computer like that they give you i mean like like two of my close friends were homeschooled and they both left one was a girl one was a boy neither of them know each other so uh, and they're different ages now there's about 10 years difference in them um, but they both left at the age of about 13, 14. And they, um, what I noticed in them is they have the ability to become really, really good at something quickly because they're in that state of play. So they basically pursue, one is incredibly good at illustrating um, and currently that's what she spends her time doing. And one has, was a 300 game bowler, um, like bowling, um, like with the 10 pin. Um, and um you know now they're a writer and they're writing their first novel um and they were also a really good batsman at cricket um and he was also really good at smoking pot for a while like really good <laughs> like a champion at it um but no my point is that um i think what is alive what remains in both of them uh, which does remain in people like me and you as well who did actually do the full schooling and even you and i went and got a degree in tertiary education as well so we went through all of that and we still managed to maintain our spirit um is is there yeah, yeah, yeah. State of play? That, yeah like you were saying it's like you can still like but it's just like if you could if you could not do it you'd rather not oh That's yeah but I think I just needed that guidance around me, like to allow, yeah, like, like a plant, like, like give it water, give it sunlight and then let you, the child figures it out. But all you can do as a parent is provide the best that you possibly could. And so my parents, I know did, I know they provided me the best they possibly could. They weren't in a position to, they didn't have these access, to these ideas about homeschooling and stuff like that. And they were following, I guess, like a lot of parents, the status quo, and maybe they were afraid that if they didn't, you know, the people around them would reprimand them. But again, goes back to this individuality, like your Copernicus or your Galileo, you know, standing in the face of adversity and for what you believe in. And I think there's going to be this rise of individualism. And what I mean by individualism is really just like embodying and embracing who you are and accepting the consequences of that, like um, surrendering to the fact that people might not like who you are. But as long as I think you love your neighbor, not to get too biblical on us here and and you love the creator and you love your neighbor at the end of the day being if you want to be this or that and you are showing me respect 
I, why would I have an issue? And if I did, it would be my own limitation. And I would take a step back and look at why I'm getting aggravated by this person just being them. But that's me. That's where I'm at. Whereas a lot of people might start throwing coffee cups and maybe stones that they're not so nice at this person. But I also actually think that when more and more people actually step into their own individuality and their own unique blueprint, the ones that step into it will basically show enough respect to the people who are just on the cusp of stepping in and basically protect their own authenticity. So your own authenticity is completely different to mine. But when I see an authentic person step into their authentic self as an authentic person, I would, I would help facilitate that process and I would um, defend your right to become your authentic self. As long as you were loving my neighbor and loving thy, thy creator, loving thyself, you know, and I think this is going to happen more and more and we're going to be basically tuning into people based on, the output of their energy, the quality of their energy, like not being so afraid of um, radical ideas and new ideas, but basically tuning into like, what is the uh, motivation behind them? What is the frequency behind these ideas? And if it's a pure intention, we're getting better at using our spidey senses, I feel. And um, we're going to be able to basically allow a lot of these really radical new models and radical new ways of being, but I only say radical, it doesn't mean that they're crazy and volatile. It just means that they're different from the status quo. And we need something different from the status quo because the status quo has gotten us to this point, which we're grateful for. Um, but we've, it's illuminated a lot of things that haven't been working. And we're, today we're sampling, uh, one of the things we're sampling is the education system. It's not been, it's, it's gotten us to this point, actually. I think we should be grateful for it rather than getting too um, condemning of it. Because it's gotten us to this point, and this yeah, is. Man, I love, I love, I love making fun of the education system. Well, do it, that. do it. But I guess <laughs> like, look, sometimes I get a bit like, you know, like when you know back in the day you'd have a meeting at the docks and you'd. Frustration. I'm finding a lot of people are doing that. Like a lot of the people I engage with, I feel like there is a lot of frustration coming out. Spike. And I think. Maybe. Yeah, and I think the point that you're trying to make is like we could dwell in it and be like, look, we all been played kind of in a way, or we can just be like, well, that, that happened. And like, but look, if we just accept it for what it is, like that just means all of a sudden we are allowing ourselves to go and explore all these other ideas. And I think that's a lot more fun. And it goes back to like, you know, figure out how to be yourself, get in your state of play and go fucking go enjoy like, uh, spoiling your mind or whatever you want to call it like with with the with the sugary treats of ideas that are out there that that have been forbidden as a fruit um from 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 in your you know back to that thing i was saying how that you know this it's basically like this box and there's like unlimited ideas out there basically think about the literature that's been banned over the years and like you're thinking like if there's something well, banned there must be a big yeah, idea in there you know that's what I'm saying. It's not like outright censorship. It's just kind of like very subtle in like this way. And that sort of happens like you were saying from like, from like a young age. And then like, you kind of, like, I think there's some power, right? And it, I like, we haven't talked about McDonald's yet. I, I promised, I know they're going to sponsor us one day, but anyway, here's another McDonald's plug. Like, and they're really smart at it. McDonald's marketing team. Cause this is what they've done at a long time. They, they, um, they, the playground and the happy meals right it's like um like i remember i used to get taken there i want to you know you'd like be like mum like, oh yeah go there? Like, oh, yeah and you, you'd go there and like yeah you'd get the fucking happy meal you'd get a toy you'd play on the fucking playground right and it's very innocent right but then i think when you're fucking when you turn when you turn like 16 when you get your first like car license there's like some emotions that have been associated with those golden arches right so you just got your car you got your freedom and like you're driving past those little arches uh, triggers an emotion and you're like fuck i want to go there you know but our mutual friend our mutual friend liam would always want to go there instead of getting uh instead of getting a happy you're probably not going to get a happy meal though you know yeah and hey i i did it too like yeah, I'm saying like um, I'm talking from personal experience. Yeah, but I stopped. I I've around um because I I was vegan and then I was vegetarian and then I was pescatarian. I've been everything and now I just don't I don't have a label for what I am. I think I'm outside of the box. But because uh, of that, I don't think I've eaten like maybe I've had like chips or something from there. But I don't think I've eaten a, a burger or anything like that in like um 
lately, whenever I bring decade. Up, whenever I bring up McDonald's to people, everyone acts like very disgusted. Yeah, so, like, it's yeah. almost like I don't want to be associated <laughs> with that. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, I need. Yeah, even me to it. It's like perfectly acceptable in Perth anyway. Like, yeah. It's just like everyone, like, there's no shame associated with Krispy Kremes. Krispy Kremes are a guilty pleasure. You know what it is with McDonald's? It's because McDonald's haven't been able to weather the storm no, no, of, what, of what they do to animals. They haven't been able to weather the storm of what they do to animals. And uh, the big documentaries like Cowspiracy yeah. and stuff, I haven't actually seen that one, but I know it's had a big impact on people. I think even if you love eating meat, which a lot of, even I barely eat meat anymore, but like, I you're love gonna eating. Me, you're going to describe me as a monster now. Go, Ooh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I think even someone like you, who is basically a carnivore exclusively, like you basically only eat meat in your diet. Uh, I know you eat some uh, other things like 90%. eggs and stuff, but yeah, mostly meat, right? What would you say? Like 70% at least meat? Animal or? products, 90%. 90% animal products. Okay. So even someone also, like you, who is, is basically coffee, I'll have every coffee. Night. Okay, yeah. So meat and coffee, yeah, and like eggs, etc. Um, but I'm sure because I know you pretty well, I, I don't feel like I'm going out on a limb here and saying that like what what has been happening to animals, like the way they've been raised. I'm not talking grass-fed beef. I'm talking like you know a lot of like the conditions is is I'm less than ideal. I'm, I'm sure you can agree you. on that. Aids, chickens, and shit. Like yeah, no, I'm hearing you. Like yeah, and that's all. That's all. Like, that's my point. That's that's my only that's point. Is that I find like I find the I find the issue very interesting. Like I think like I could I could talk about it for a while because I feel like that has a lot to do with like our like history as human beings, even like going way back. Like it's got a lot to do with like I don't know our health as well. And I think, like, it's also got to do a lot of, like I was saying, like, economic societies that used to, like, keep cattle, right? Cattle used to be, like, a form of currency, like, almost, like, yeah, gold. Then, like, cattle was not too far below. Like, wealthy societies usually have cattle or some form of it, like, quality meat, you know? And that, like, usually... And people tend to be healthier as well. And that's, like, the connection of, like, the food that we're eating now, like if I'm going to try and put it in a nutshell, why I'm so interested in like this and all that. And then like, I know that like a big thing is like, it's more ethically correct, right. To, to not consume the meat. But that, that to me is like another symptom of the hive mind, a big one. And I think this, this, this issue, right. Like if you get to the crux of it, it's very powerful because I think it's the foundation for like reclaiming, like before you can do anything, you need to reclaim your health, right? And a lot of these foods are full, full people are walking around, we've got sugar addicts, right? And they're a slave to these foods. Like they need to have their coffee in the morning. Then they need to have their sugary snack at like 10 o'clock. Then they need to have their carby lunch. Then they need to come home and eat whatever else crap and drink a bunch of it, alcohol. Uber eats, yeah, Uber eats dinner. Whatever, like, yeah, whatever. And it's like, that's like basically what I think is like we we and it's an interesting thing because it's like never have the poorest people basically in society been so overweight, never in history. Like, yeah, and, and, and a lot of the poor because, ones are. It's like, it's like what's killing us, right? Is food. I, I'm a big believer of that, and that the food causes our problems a lot of the times. This might sound radical. You probably call me. I've even, but anyway, what I'm just putting this out there. This is what I believe. Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the food causes the problems, and then the drug dealers will sell you the pill. And it's yeah, just yeah. like everyone makes money. The food companies make money. The drug companies Farmer, make money. Yeah. Everyone's everyone, ev- and you know, and people are happy. They get their whatever the food they like that's colorful and like you know, you know, all those wonderful so colors. My. As, as, as a, as a Krispy Kreme or McDonald's or whatever. And the thing I wanted to wrap about McDonald's, I think they own their dirty image. Like McDonald's is kind of like the the dirty strip club. If we're going to talk about strip clubs, like the, they don't the, apologize. No, no. And ever that's that you go on there. For that. Like, yeah, you go on there for that kind of thing. Like, and it's like, Hey, whatever. Like they make tasty burgers. I'm holding out for that sponsorship McDonald's. Um, <laughs> well, my theory is, marketing team my theory is this you've just described a culture that is addicted to e-numbers and sugars and preservatives and such okay i think where you're at is definitely a step up 
here's why because you are you're isolating yourself from the majority of that or pretty much entirely of that in your case and you're eating it's it's like the devotion and the dedication to health that you've chosen by being very deliberate with every meal you have that in itself is the healthy process and you chose a meat, but I think you could be just as healthy and some would argue more healthy, but I, I don't know. I'm not going to say something. I don't know if you did the exact same thing you're doing. So in your case, you're eating 90% of a food group and you're being very selective with what you eat. I think you could do that and be a vegetarian or a vegan or even pescatarian, you know, for all I, for all I know. Um, but it's the idea that you're eating something that you believe to be high quality. Um, and with you, Fair I'm pretty enough. sure you hey. don't eat, you don't eat just meat, just random meat that you, you grab off. The, I think you choose your meat pretty wisely. And that need to be explored, right? So I don't, I don't have all the answers, right? All I can tell you is I eat meat and that works for me. Like, and all I can I tell care. you is that you were like on death's door when you were, in your late teens and then you're yeah, yeah, yeah. you know recovering and taking pharmaceutical drugs like every eight weeks or whatever it was for years yeah, no, in the that's, 20s that's and then the you were able to wean yourself off of that entirely through your diet and that's why you're such a success story and that's why you're so passionate about this subject and and that's why i have a lot of respect for your diet oh, it goes even it goes it goes beyond me because it's um yeah it, it, it's it's i definitely see it as something bigger than me and it's like it, well you're it you're a success story and then you get to share that everything, everything that we were talking about it ties into because that's what i'm saying a lot of the why do we eat the food we eat because everyone else around us eats that food right and it comes back to like this a lot of the whole like mindset right is um that's what i'm saying it all starts with the food in my opinion like that, yeah, yeah it's it's so crazy. you are what you eat that's why there's all these like you know they're like religious debates man basically um our modern religious debates is almost like like uh i don't know veganism vegetarianism what's right what's wrong like um and you know it's it's huge man and like the 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 ideologies i think is like it, it's amazing and it's all it's all over food right yeah and if you think about it food is a big part of how you know we live our lives right so even if you think about you know like the way you know like even yeah it, it comes back to that whole schooling thing as well what i was talking about as well how you're gonna feed like all these how we, how we sort of like how are we going to feed the minds of the kids i don't know if you're just if you're getting, like the, there's always um they're all sort of everything's built around food you know and then even even the food we get in hospitals right that's uh that's famous for being bad isn't it everyone knows like everyone is uh if you're gonna if you get food in a hospital it's, it's just gonna be i bad. think airplane food's better that's all i know <laughs> yeah but so it's like a radical idea kind of that yeah we can heal ourselves with food and um i think uh there's a lot to be like you said the the jury's open or whatever whatever they say about that shit and like i think a lot of people are gonna are gonna figure like that shit's gonna be figured out like you know people but we're gonna have to fund it basically like we can't count on like whatever the pharmaceutical companies or whatever to fund it because why would they, right? Because the current paradigm is what's profitable. It's working for them. for them, yeah. That's what I'm sort of saying. It's like we, and this is like, this is where I'll leave it full circle and I'll wrap up my final point is like collectivism, bad, individualism, good. Um, and yeah, that, that's, basically, um, that's basically just my message for today. Collectivism, bad, individualism, good um yeah, do what's best for you having having had this 45 minute discussion what you're saying makes sense if you said that to me that was the first sentence you said when we started today i would be scratching my head going hmm but it's because you know i haven't got textbook definitions of those two words like to me individualism is like expressing your authentic self and collectivism is respecting the community but I think what you're meaning by collectivism is slightly different. It's almost like when you adhere to the collective, whereas I feel that we always have to adhere to our, the inner voice that we speak to that, that knows. Is we, if we're not a community of individuals, what are we? 
Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. It's, it's like there's something greater to us than our personalities and like what makes us unique. It's like a spirit is how I see it. And it's almost like if we sever the connection with that, we are basically a collective and like a hive mind to the point where we are totally subjugated to um, habits of being basically compromisable rather than, so it's like the strength comes from within and it's like we do our utmost to protect that, that connection with ourselves. And sometimes um, going against the grain is the right thing to do because if the grain or the status quo has become stagnant, which often does too much order, we need chaos to shake things up, but it often takes brave souls at a brave time and a brave moment. We could be in one of those junctures now to be an individual. So fundamentally what you say, I agree with, but it's because I understand what you mean behind it, but also collectivism. I think you could, you could call collectivism as the ability to cooperate with, with collectives, with, 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 everyone around you and that is important as well um but that stems i think from within like when you cooperate with yourself you're able to cooperate with other people around you so like the context of diets like you don't get in a fight with someone because they eat meat or because they eat vegan or whatever you oh lee you have not been on the internet you have not been on like okay people, people do all i'm saying is if you're if, yeah. if you're in a reasonable state you'll see the okay it's like we talked about this as well, um, where it's like far right activists and stuff are getting banned from YouTube. Instead of banning them in a healthy society, I would go, this is my brother who lives next door, who's speaking from this point of view. Instead of censoring him, I want to understand what he's saying. And it's almost like the censorship option is like, if anything, it proves that they see a threat in this person just like it's the exact same thing with carnivores versus vegans or whatever. It's like, if you're trying to censor and put that person down, it's almost like you're afraid of their potential instead of um, trying to understand where they're coming from. And I'm a big believer of this. Right. And it's like, so when you connect with yourself as an individual, you know how you want to be treated by other people. And when you know how you want to be treated by other people, why, why would you treat other people any other way? Right. And I think there's something powerful about that. And I think you describe it as love thy neighbor, like they do in the Bible, right? Yeah, it just seems like the Bible seems to have a lot of really appropriate verses. Um, coming from someone who I wouldn't identify as a religious person or like following one certain set of principles or dogma, but the Bible does seem to have a lot of really apt ways of summing up inherent truths to me. And, and yeah. love thy neighbor is is one because it is akin to loving thyself. So regardless of where a person's at, if you have the omniscience and the ability to step back and understand, then you can forgive them if they've wronged you. But I think understanding and forgiveness are like intrinsic, like they're connected. And I think it's a sign of higher intelligence. So when well, we have I, these oh, conversations. On this, when you talk about like, oh, I'm not religious. In Australia, most people would use that word, right? I'm not religious, right? But what happens is like, I, I would argue, right? That religion or whatever it is that we're calling this thing that we're labeling it, it's a part of us. We always going to yearn for like whatever it is that that, that like but what in previous societies i don't know like in australia most people would say they're not religious whatever that means mm -hmm. um they like and and you know before ancestors the church took that sort of place like mm -hmm. um now it's like that's what i'm saying now they'll find religion in um in in diet or in whatever 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 community they feel a part of right because yes. a lot of the time the, the church was the backbone for the local community. yes that's went and it felt like a community and now science that, is probably yeah yeah and that, that's that's yeah that's all i'll say about that i know we're running out of time what was your what what what, what was your what what did you want to leave yeah um, we, we can wrap we can wrap things yeah. up this has been a really interesting almost hour of discussion and we've um we, we kind of, it's like a spiral, like the shape of the galaxy. Like we kind of, we start in one area and one domain and then it loops into another domain, but we're still talking about the same theme. And, you know, and we somehow managed to go yeah. from like talking about technology and then we go into like a diet, but it's almost like there's a string or a thread, a commonality that 
bridges all these discussions together and the discussion unfolds so seamlessly. So I think that's like a, there's something I'll end on this then. Um, when I was walking before we started the show, um, the most important thing about a communication is openness. Um, the openness to receive someone's idea creates a vacuum and a space for birth, a birth of an idea in this case, a birth of a friendship, depending on how metaphysical you want to look at it. Um, so the openness to recognize the potential of what the person you're speaking to could say is such a important, cherishable commodity. And if you own this commodity, the ability to do this, you have more power than you could possibly imagine in, in the good sense. Not, not, it's not a controlling. It's like you're able to create potential with every moment because you're in a receptive mode where you're able to receive the person. And oftentimes we would block the other person next to you out um, because we limit their ideas and their own potential. But when you do that, you're actually limiting your own potential and what you and I manage to do on a regular basis, which is the key to our success and the key to our formula of hosting these discussions is that we see the divine potential in what the other person has to say. We, we constantly see the potential and constantly create space for new ideas to grow. So it's like we're two gardeners and we have all the tools to expand and expand. And, you know, first of all, you get to choose what you plant, but then also you realize that you can make more than one garden. And then you're playing a game of Minecraft, essentially, where you can build anything. And we've realized that we can build anything because we understand the technique required to plant seeds and grow. And then we also which is the most exciting part, see the limitless potential of what can come from those seeds. And that's the formula of the universe, which is the spiral. And the spiral is infinite because it can go infinitely microcosmic and it can go infinitely macrocosmic. And that's the shape and that's the divine blueprint, blueprint we're in. We're in a, a realm of infinity. And that's probably a good place to leave it because it leaves you with more questions and answers. And I spoke to a guru once and he said, if you have more answers than questions, he didn't say you're fucked because that's not the kind of language he would use. But basically, in, in other words, he basically said you're fucked because you think you know everything. And when you recognize the divine blueprint of our reality, which is the spiral, which is the shape our galaxies are in, it's the same nature as our intellectuality, our emotionality, um, our essence is infinite. We are infinite creators. So with that good luck trying to get bored because when you realize your own infinite potential, you realize you've got a lot of creating to do. So go out there and enjoy what you do, I uh, guess. If any, if, if any, if any primary school teachers have a problem with that seven year old, come and see Lee. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, offer an insight of infinite potential to the child. And I'm sure the child <laughs> jump at that because the child often remembers that more than the adult does on certain occasions. So thanks for tuning in guys for another great time capsule this week. And we will continue to do this. And we definitely cherish the fact that we get to leave these time capsules on the global internet for everyone to see. So cheers for watching. Bye.